hey, Jim, look around the room right now. Everyone is here because of you. The moment I heard those words, it changed everything for me. And yet it changed nothing because I truly am what I always felt I was. I'm the connector. That clarity is what brings me to you and what drives this show, the Remote Start Podcast. Here, I connect my lifelong passion for bringing people together with my love of business and branding in hopes that these talks might better connect your community with what your company is all about. So let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the target audience you want to serve and how we can use these two things to create an incredibly strong community for your business. I'm your host, Jim Doyon. Let's get something started. Remote Start Nation. On this episode, we're going to be discussing starting a business and building a brand with one entrepreneur who built his successful tech company during the pandemic. Today, we're going to be talking with Caleb Avery, founder and CEO of Tilled, the creator of Paysac as a Service, who's focusing on changing the payments landscape for the better. Some topics on today's episode are going to be starting a business in a field you aren't an expert in already, challenges of fundraising and hiring, recognizing a problem and starting a business from it, and building a personal brand on LinkedIn. Caleb, it's an honor to have you. Welcome to the Remote Start Nation. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely. I'm excited to jump in. And, and with that, Sid, tell me what's something about you that if I just met you on the street, I wouldn't know. Yeah, so if you just met me on the street, haven't been following me on LinkedIn, you probably wouldn't know that I've got two little kids uh, at home. So got a, a three-year-old, almost five-year-old, and a, and a third uh, on the way. Congrats, man. That's a, that's a lot of work. And to be an entrepreneur, a founder, and you know, that's your fourth baby there. Like that's, that's <laughs> you got a lot on your plate. It's a, it's a busy life, but you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it. M most days, uh, kids are awesome. Business is awesome. And for, for me, it's a, it's a challenge that, that, that I'm up for. That's, that's awesome, man. So let's talk a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey. Tell me what your story is, what you did before Tilled and, and let's start there. Yeah, so my my entrepreneurial journey started at at 19 years old, going door to door, selling payment processing services to to small business owners, as as all 19 year old college kids, uh, you know, do. And so for for me, as we scaled up uh, that that first uh, ISO business, I started getting brought in on consulting opportunities for software platforms. And so it was really through this consulting work that I saw the the problem uh, that that became the the kind of foundational element. Uh, for Tilled. And so a little over four years ago, you know, bit the bullet and decided to to go start uh, another company that that became Tilled and, and what we call Payfac as a service. That's awesome. And I'm really interested in getting into, you know, you seeing the problem, you addressing it and creating a, a company that's doing an incredible job solving for that problem. And we'll get into that in a minute, but I want to go back more into you know, what exactly does Till do? And then I want to talk about this payback as a service as well. Sure. So when I think about Till, we offer a turnkey white label payments infrastructure solution for vertical software companies. And so what, what does all that mean? <laughs> so, you know, we're typically targeting vertical software businesses like a nonprofit donation management platform or a golf course management platform. So, you know, nowadays there's a seemingly a vertical software solution for every industry, and we're providing them with a set of APIs and then turnkey white label solutions to embed payments within their platform, 
ultimately for the goal of monetizing all of those payments. And so, you know, for that dental software platform, every time a dentist processes a payment downstream, that is now a revenue stream for that software platform. And so for us, you know, we're making it easy for companies to switch off of providers like Stripe or Braintree, where they're just giving away the economics, embed tilled, and ultimately monetize those payments. That's incredible, man. What gave you the insight to start that? Like, what was it that you saw that you're like, I, I need to start a company that solves this? Sure. So, you know, my, my entire career has been in the, in the payment space, albeit from a very different lens. And so, you know, starting out door to door, you know, sales, I, I really had an understanding of what the, the merchants were, were looking for out of a payment solution. And over the course of, of that career, the, the trend that I started to notice was that small business owners, merchants were no longer really just looking for a terminal to process their payments. They really wanted an integrated solution to manage their entire business. And so started to see this this developing trend towards software-led payments where these vertical software solutions were coming into every vertical that we were going out door-to-door speaking with. Uh, And then as I started to network into that community, I was getting brought in by CFOs and investors in these businesses that were saying, hey, you know, you're you're the payments guy. Can you come in and take a look at our statements or take a look at what we're doing in the business and help us understand if we should be doing something differently, you know, with our payment strategy for these software companies? And some of these businesses were doing 500 million, 800 million, a billion dollars a year in payments volume and hardly making any money <laughs> off of all wow. of these payments flowing through the platform. And so for some of these guys, they were leaving millions of dollars a year on the table. And as I, as I started to dig in, on that problem, I started to understand why. So for a lot of these businesses, they were partnering with Stripe or Braintree, and they were just passing along the 2.9% and 30 cents from Stripe or Braintree onto their customers. And, you know, that begs the question, like, why? Why would you give away, you know, millions of dollars in revenue? Well, when you look at the alternatives that existed for these businesses, okay, you can go spend the next nine to 12 months (laughs) of development time going and plugging into, you know, one of the, the legacy processors or, you know, you partner with a gateway and an ISO. And at the end of the day, you're downgrading the technology experience. You're downgrading the customer experience for, for sign up and reporting and customer support. And for a lot of these software companies, they just weren't willing to, you know, make those sacrifices in order to create that recurring revenue stream off of the payments. And so the the general thesis behind Till, you know, four years ago was was saying, you know, how can we make it so that these software companies don't have to compromise on the the technology, on the customer experience, and still get access to that exciting recurring revenue stream uh, that they want and, and oftentimes need, you know, from the payments flowing through the the platform. And so that's that's been the the, the mission and the journey, you know, here at Tilt is to to give these software companies the the best of of both worlds and offer them that turnkey ability to embed payments and ultimately monetize the payments flowing through their platform. Dude, that's excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I. I think you've got a great opportunity. It seems like there's a, so many companies that could use your service. No, no doubt about it. I, mean, I think just in the U.S., you're talking, you know, north of ten thousand, you know, these these companies. And what's what's interesting is when you look at the the kind of you know macro stats uh, today, it's it's less than twenty percent of the, the the actual like payment volume, you know, flowing through cards here in the in the U.S. But you know, my personal opinion is that that'll eclipse fifty percent over the next five oh, yeah. years going through, you know, software-led payments. And so order of magnitude, you're talking about trillions of dollars in payment volume that will transition from the direct traditional, you know, payment processing 
uh, channels to this software-led, you know, ISV-focused uh, payment sector. And so we're focused on being that key enabler for that transition and, and tackling that a number of different ways by, you know, one, enabling the, the software companies themselves to come direct to till, you know, two, allowing the traditional ISO agent channels to actually come resell our, our platform. And so if they're curious yeah. about kind of the next generation of payments, they can do that. And then more recently working with more of the, the traditional direct acquirers wanting to white label or license, you know, the platform. And so we're kind of attacking this problem you know, from all sides with the the goal of, you know, changing the payments landscape for the better. That's incredible. And you said you started four years ago? Uh, January of 2019. So a little, little over four years ago at this point. So where have you grown the company to date? Yeah. So over the last, you know, four plus years, uh, it's, it's been a pretty, pretty wild ride uh, for, for us. So, you know, gone from solo founder to, you know, 50 odd people. On the team, we've raised about 34 million in, in outside capital. Uh, at this point in time, we partner with uh, 83 uh, software companies, anywhere from startups to, to publicly traded businesses. And so, uh, it's it's definitely been a, a pretty cool journey, uh, kind of making making something out of you know what was an idea in my head, uh, you know, four years ago, and turning it into a, a real business with employees and investors, and you know, pretty sizable network of partners uh, at this point. So you had a background in this, this type of business. You saw a problem, but you had no tech background. Correct. What was, what, what was like one of the first things you did? I mean, did you kind of lay out your model based on what you had, you'd obviously seen and heard in the industry? So you had an idea of what you wanted to do. What was next? Yeah. So for me, you know, I'd seen this problem, you know, consistently through the consulting work that I was doing. I was also angel investing in, in software businesses. And so the, the problem was very clear to me. What was not clear yeah. to me was how to go solve the, the problem. And, you know, admittedly, the, the kind of first instinct was not to go build a, a technology, uh, you know, business and, and raise money and, and scale it that way. Initially, I was doing a lot of research as a consultant, assuming like someone has to have solved this problem. Uh, before may, maybe I can partner with somebody and resell, you know, their business. That was kind of the first, the first instinct. And you know, over a couple of year period doing the consulting work and kind of investigating the other options in the market, it was pr pretty clear to me that there was not a solution that really solved this problem well. Uh, there were people trying to solve the problem, but no one that had really, you know, effectively figured it out. And so for me, the the process started uh, kind of in a brainstorming session. Like, what what would have to be true? for us to launch a software company on a platform in one week. That was the, the kind of initial, you know, start to the conversation. And as I started to dive deeper into that over probably a six month period, it was clear to me that there were significant regulatory and compliance hurdles. Uh, yeah. We had to find, you know, the right partners from a banking and a processing perspective. And then there was going to be a massive technology, uh, you know, component. And so, you know, here we are, you know, four plus years in, into the build out. And uh, I, I think we probably underestimated all of those, you know, challenges as, as most, uh, you know, optimistic entrepreneurs tend to do. But for me, when I, when I started thinking about that idea of tackling that technology problem, like, obviously, I wasn't going to go write the code myself. That was not, you know, practically, you know, how we right. were going to, to go about it. And so for me, that started with let me go find some some contract developers to just get the process started. This 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 I feel comfortable I can manage, you know this part of the process. And so that was that was kind of where the the business started was. 
I'm working on the the payments component, the regulatory compliance component, and then managing you know a team of of outside developers, knowing that there's a lot of groundwork that that has to be laid for us to to build this out. But a key decision for us was bringing that in house, you know, fairly early on, like you know three plus years ago, uh, bringing on uh, at that point a, a VP of engineering. Uh, but I, I still remember in the in the interview uh, with him, he's like, "Look, you you don't want me writing code. You want me building a team." Uh, and mm-hmm. that that was the the guy that I knew that we needed uh, on board. It's like, look, you're you're going to write code for a couple of months, but as we continue to raise capital, you're going to build this team that's going to enable us to build this category changing, you know, product over time. And so to, to kind of summarize that, it really comes down to finding the right people uh, that have yeah. the the skill sets that you know complement. Uh, you know what I knew how to do and filled those gaps uh, for for me and for for Tilled. So a lot of I, I've talked to other entrepreneurs on here, the founders that are are growing different industries, and you know their their solution to not knowing what they were doing was to find the best business partner, like actually bringing a partner into the company. You and I did as on your own. I mean, what was did did you? consider the other route or was it like I'm doing this solo from the start? Um, I think the reality was is that I was looking for, you know, the the kind of technical, you know, co-founder and and just didn't find uh, you know, someone that I really had that that connection with that had the same yeah. sort of passion and drive, you know, for the the business. I also think the the challenge for for me was that I knew that there was this significant kind of payment regulatory compliance hurdle that we needed to, to overcome. And I was funding a lot of the business myself uh, at that point. And so, you know, for the first 11 months, I was really hesitant to, to really, you know, spend a ton of money hiring, uh, you know, employees. We weren't really well capitalized. We hadn't raised any outside, uh, you know, funding. And so for me, before I really invested, you know, a significant amount of my personal capital or raised outside capital, into the business, I knew that there were a couple of gates that we needed to to go through that would be the validation that would start to unlock, you know, some of the the outside capital. And so for for me, I felt like I was very clear on what I needed to accomplish over that first year in the business to to kind of unlock the next couple of gates that would allow us to get to the point where we could really build and scale the engineering yeah. team. And so I took the decision that that was the right approach for Tilled. Was like let's really focus on getting some of these other hurdles in place. And I have, you know, these these contract developers that in the meantime are building, you know, the the first version of the the software. But we really leveled up the the software build out once we were able to, you know, bring in some outside capital, get through those, you know, first couple of hurdles and then hire on, you know, a VP of engineering who scaled that team very quickly. So if there's a piece of advice you can give to entrepreneurs listening right now who are looking at it from, you know, I, I'm going to do it solo. Or I'm going to find a co-founder to do it with me. What would what what advice would you give them? Yeah, I think especially if you're going to go about it, you know, solo founder, you really have to make sure that you still have the the support system in place. I think you know, oftentimes, you know, you're going and finding a, a co-founder. <laughs> Fr- frankly, just make sure you can continue on in the in the journey yeah. and have the the kind of emotional fortitude to continue on in the journey. And so, if you're you know, especially if you're an entrepreneur considering going you know, the solo route, make sure that you've got, you know, other entrepreneurs that you're friends with or advisors or people, you know, in your network that that you can lean on and, and turn to because you're you're going to have, you know, those those moments where you're you're questioning if this is the right thing to do. Should I continue on 
in this business, you got to have that support system in place to, to really, you know, be able to see that, see that journey through. That's a, that's a good answer. I appreciate that. And, and during that for you, did you rely on your network in the industry that you had met and, and focus with that? Or did you, were you out networking and, and trying to submerge yourself in the, your local culture of like, Hey, who's my mentor? Who can I talk to? Who can I team up with? I'd say it's a combination, uh, certainly for, for more of the, the kind of payment specific things, you know, that I need. And I leaned on, you know, folks and connections that I had, you know, from the, the, the payments ecosystem, I think more from a software development perspective, I was leaning on more folks from the local tech community. And so there was definitely an element of, you know, networking in and say, you know, Hey, I know this fractional CFO, Hey, I'm having an issue with, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to fundraise or how to, how to hire you know, for a VP of engineering, who do you know that I could talk to? And so just basically asking around saying, look, I need help. <laughs> don't, don't be yeah. afraid to, to ask for help. And then, you know, ask the people that you trust. Uh, and even if they can't solve the problem, oftentimes they're, you know, able and willing to connect you in, uh, you know, to people that, that are able to either solve the problem directly, provide some guidance or connect you, you know, to, to the right person. There was, before we started the podcast, you were telling me that You've really only been live for what, 15 months? So, something like that. Yeah. It took us took us about two and a half years of building to, to really get, you know, the the beta product in in market. And then, you know, yeah, kind of sub sub 15 months for really, you know, full commercial launch of the the platform. And so it's been it's been a really, really awesome journey just to see how quickly, you know, the the industry has has picked up on, you know, what we're doing and how quickly we've seen you know, ISVs and software companies looking to adopt the the platform. That's incredible growth. Congratulations on that. Honestly, that's, that's incredible. One question I have on that, that time frame though, you, I mean, two and a half years without launching a product. I mean, there had to be times you were like, I'm going to throw in the towel. There were, there were definitely moments. I, I think, you know, certainly early on in the, in the pandemic was one of those, uh, you know, times for, for me and, you know, a lot of it at that point in time, we, we had not raised outside capital. And so I, I often, uh, refer to my, my wife as kind of an, uh, an unwilling, uh, you know, investor, uh, in, in Tilled where, you know, she, she, she believes, believes in me, believes in what we're, you know, building, but at the same time, we had just had our, our second kid. And so, you know, had a, a three week old son. Uh, at home, the the market's going crazy. You know, my my prior business. Uh, you know, if you were in the payment processing world around that time, you were seeing your residual income just drop because merchants were closed, payments were not being you know processed, and so there was a lot yeah. of uncertainty you know going on in the space. But I actually used that time to go out and talk with customers and do customer discovery and speak with uh, vertical software companies to see like, hey, is this still really a business worth building? I, it certainly was three months ago, but. There's a lot of businesses that fundamentally changed, you know, when the pandemic happened for the good or yeah. for the bad. And so, you know, my my instinct was to get out there and talk to customers and understand, like, is this still a problem, you know, we're solving? And I think, you know, after a couple dozen of those conversations, I was convinced that this was still a problem, you know, we're solving. And so we we continued on in the journey. I love that how you, you, you saw a problem, you started to work on a solution, and then when there was an opportunity, which for a lot of the world was a huge negative. You're like, I'm going to take this as a chance to just make sure that I'm still on track. And and who did you go to? You went to the people that you knew were going to be your customers. Yeah. And then we, we also, at that point in time, you know, there was a, there was kind of a dark period for venture capital investors. And then all of a sudden it was like the floodgates opened up and, 
you know, venture investors were looking and saying, okay, there, this is a, a kind of brave new world that we're living in. What, what sectors, what opportunities are really going to be able to capitalize on, you know, this, this new, uh, you know, the, the new kind of reality that, that we were living in. And I certainly felt like our business was well positioned to, to be, you know, a category, a sector, a brand, you know, that could capitalize on, on that momentum. And so, you know, we started engaging with venture investors over the summer, you know, during COVID and, and ultimately fairly quickly were able to, to raise, you know, that first round of funding, which really, you know, catapulted the business to, to, to the next level in terms of our ability to hire and product development and, and really, you know, build out the business. So you did a lot of the research, a lot of the things, brought in a small team, and then you guys built it together. And then once you had that opportunity, you went, what, you went right to, you know, go seek funding and said, hey, here we, here's our, our play. Yeah. And so for, for us, you know, at that point, we were well, probably about 18 months in uh, before okay. we started approaching uh, external investors. Uh, and so for, for us, you know, we, we had a lot of these proof points in place, but we still weren't live. Uh, in the market. And so it was largely, you know, hey, this is the story. This is the vision. This is the mission, the mission, uh, you know, for the the business. And ultimately, you know, that got uh, investors excited about the prospects of of what we were building. And so, you know, closed that initial round. And, and since then, have closed, you know, multiple rounds uh, of funding over the last, uh, you know, couple of years as we've continued to to scale up and build the traction in the business. That's That's great. So in the time that you've been live or even before, like what are some of the ways that you personally, or even as a team, like you've been able to get in front of your customers and really connect with your community? Yeah, I think LinkedIn has, has really been uh, an important part of the, the journey uh, for us. I, I, was, I was on the phone uh, earlier today with uh, you know, C- C-suite executive from big payments company. And he, this is me meeting him for the first time. He's like, dude, you're like the Kevin Bacon uh, of, of payments. He's like, I literally can't, you know, avoid you on, on LinkedIn. He's like, you're just everywhere, uh, on, on LinkedIn. And I think for, for us, you know, that wasn't necessarily the strategy from, from day one. It started out, uh, as a, as a very, uh, you know, small part of the, the go to market, but we started probably well over a year before we actually launched, you know, the, the platform. And so we started to, to build the audience and build the content and build up, you know, blogs and, uh, you know, just educational materials for, for clients. And at this point in time, you know, inbound organic is, is almost half of our lead flow, uh, into the wow. business. And so it's, it's been incredible for, for us where, you know, we don't have to have this enormous budget to go spend on, you know, paid ads or, or social campaigns because we've really built a community, uh, on, on LinkedIn, which has been, um, you know, a really, really cool experience and, and certainly been, you know, incredibly impactful for, for our business. So did you build it, you built out your tilled profile on LinkedIn, your company page, and that's where you're pushing content and educational my personal information primarily, actually on your personal. So, yeah. So my, my personal LinkedIn, uh, probably has four or five X the reach of tilled the, the company, uh, yeah. which, uh, also is not necessarily, you know, the, the plan from, from day one, but I think for. Um, for a lot of folks, they resonate with hearing just the authentic, you know, journey. It's like, there are good days. There are bad days. There, there are days, you know, where I've been up all night with, with toddlers and like, that's just, that's the real me. That's the real, you know, experience that I'm going through as, as an entrepreneur. And so I think, 
for for me, I've really used that as a as a platform to to tell my story and share kind of the the good, bad, and ugly of the experience yeah. of of building a business. And I I think for uh, for me at, at least, it's it's been uh, you know a really rewarding uh, part of the journey. And and certainly, I think our our marketing team appreciates the the lead flow you know that that I we bet. get from it. But uh, you know now now we're we're focused on building up the company page as well and starting to see more results. Uh, from that, but for a while we were, you know, primarily focused on kind of my personal, uh, you know, personal brand on on LinkedIn. And was it something that you said, okay, I'm just going to start posting every day? Like I'm starting it today. I'm doing it. This is what I'm doing. Or was it more, you know, like certain things started to come out? You realize some traction. You're like, I need to do this more. Like what what was your starting point? Yeah, for for me, you know, the the starting point was really early on in COVID trying to figure out like what are the different ways that we could theoretically go to market with this business and, you know, at that point in time I was uh spending, you know, more time on on LinkedIn just kind of, you know, lurking on on LinkedIn scrolling through the the feed and for for me I started to see uh, you know, some B2B businesses that were, you know, talking about the success that they were having, you know, through, you know, inbound organic, you know, via LinkedIn and for me, it didn't start with this, hey, I'm going to post every day and I'm going to write, you know, 5,000 word blogs. Like that was not the starting point in the journey. It started, you know, hey, I'm going to go interact. I'm going to like and I'm going to yeah. comment on on posts. And then I started uh, taking kind of relevant industry articles. Hey, Visa made a big announcement or, you know, Nuve made a big announcement and I'm going to post that uh, article that someone else wrote with my thoughts. And so it started out nice. you know, very, very low, very light touch. Uh, and then, you know, started to see, you know, people wanting to follow me to follow kind of my, you know, payment insights. And then uh, when it really started to build was when we started putting out more kind of educational content ourselves. And so I hired a ghostwriter uh, and started putting out, uh, I think at that point, we were doing like weekly blogs uh, and, okay. you know, posting, you know, consistent educational content. Hey, here's what it means to, to be a payfac. Here's, you know, five reasons why you might, uh, you know, be ready to, to leave Stripe. And so we started putting out you know, this content. And then I also started sharing more about like my personal journey and the personal, you know, experience from kind of my entrepreneurial lens, not just, you know, hey, here's a promotional piece about Tilt. It's like, hey, here's, you know, how how my, uh, you know, day went. And for me, I've never held myself to to the standard of like, I have to go post every day. I think that's an unrealistic expectation and, and an easy way to get burnout on something. I think yeah. for, for me, look, if I if I post five times a week, that's great. I post two times a week. That's great. If I do post seven times a week, you know, fantastic. Uh, but that's that's not you know the standard that that I held myself to. It's more you know when do I feel like I actually have something that's worth sharing, uh, right? It, you know, content or something you know from a personal uh, perspective and and try to put out you know good content that that people um, you know enjoy and and react to. When you were when you hired the ghostwriter and you're publishing once a week on educational content or or things people should know that are following you. Did you post that on Tilt's platform for or a page first and then push it to your personal? Or did you just, were you pushing, like uh, publishing it? So sometimes we were doing it as just like a LinkedIn article, like from from me, you know, personally. Um, but after a while, we started building up a, like a blog page on the Tilt uh, website. But but mind you, like we, we didn't have a website for a lot of this period uh, of time, we we had a, a countdown timer on our website when we raised our first round uh, of of funding, and so for for a lot of this period of time, like the 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 kind of asset and the the 
kind of medium that we have <laughs> available, like was my personal, uh, you know, LinkedIn. And so we, we, we leveraged that for, for kind of all, <laughs> all it was worth to, to get us, you know, to, to, to where we needed to be. That's awesome. I, I think I've seen LinkedIn. I've been a lot more active on LinkedIn and I think it's such a powerful tool for small business owners. Couldn't agree more. So, uh, let's talk, you've grown to around 50 employees. How is, how has that been building the culture and, you know, in, instilling your own personal values into the brand and, and everything the brand is, stands for? Yeah. I think for, for us, you know, you think about kind of the, the, the timeline and, and when, you know, we built this out when COVID started, I think, I think we had four employees on the, on the team at the, or actually three, I think at the start of, of COVID. And so, you know, three to th- three to 50 employees all, all during COVID were remote first organization. I think that the challenge that comes with being a remote first organization scaling quickly, you really have to be intentional about yeah. you know, what, what is the, the mission? What are the, the values? What is the, the vision, you know, for the, the organization? And I think practically speaking that that wasn't something that, you know, was necessarily intentional from, from, you know, day one, when we made the fourth and the fifth hire. But, you know, as we started to get, you know, 10, 15 employees on the team, it was like, okay, we really need to think about, uh, you know, the, the culture that we want to establish uh, in, the, in the business. Because when you're five employees, everybody interacts with me, the founder, on a day-to-day basis. And so they're, they're kind of seeing, you know, the, the values that I'm trying to instill in the business. You start to get to, you know, 10, 15, 20 employees, and all of a sudden, you're not on, you know, team calls with everybody in the business every yeah. day. You're not you know, for, for a while we had, you know, three, four of us in the office. And it's like, when, when you start to build that remote first organization, it starts to scale, you have to be intentional about what it is that the business stands for. And I think my, my personal view is that that comes from the founder, the, the values that are important to me, the vision that I have for the organization, the mission that I'm, you know, passionate about, like that is what Tilt stands for, at least at this point, you know, in the, in the company's life cycle. And so you, you have to build that into the the hiring and the firing process and and make sure that you know you're searching for and recruiting and interviewing for not only the the skills that that you need but the values that you find to be you know important to the organization so i think for us the things that we did that were you know the most impactful were were one fo- focusing on the the values of the organization that we thought were important and then really thinking about you know how we built out the organization from an organizational design perspective. Yeah. What are the roles? How do we want to structure the departments? And, and even with all of that, you're still going to make mistakes. And so you have to be willing to kind of reevaluate, you know, over time, the the decisions that you've made, both on the hiring side, as well as the organizational uh, structure, especially, you know, as we started to get, you know, closer to 50 employees, like there, there are, you know, ultimately changes that that you need to, to make, and you have to be willing to kind of react quickly and, and make those changes to continue, uh, you know, the organization moving forward. That's awesome. So you, you know, the brand is built off of you and and your values, but when you have like that small team, like four of you, I think you said, like, did you include them in all of these decisions? And how is that, how did that process go for you? Yeah, I I would say certainly in the early days, there was a lot, a lot of collaboration, you know, across the entire team. I think as we started to to scale and get to, you know, 25, 30 employees, and we were starting to, to build out the leadership team. I think that the shift at that point in time was, it wasn't necessarily like, hey, let's go get 35 people in a room and talk through the, the values of the right. organization. It was more for, for me thinking about it 
and saying, look, the the transition at that point in time in the in the business is that you're starting to bring on, you know, folks onto the leadership team who are then themselves going and becoming hiring managers. And so for me, you know, at that point in time, I may be, you know, two, three layers removed from the individual contributors in the organization. And so the the focus for me was making sure that the the leadership team that I had around me really was crystal clear on kind of mission, vision, values of the organization, because ultimately they are the the hiring and firing managers and the evangelists for, uh, you know, those, those values. And so as much as, you know, me uh, on the kind of monthly all, all hands meeting is going to, you know, share, share that message out like day to day in, in the trenches, it's the leaders, uh, you know, around me that they really are responsible for, you know, uh, conveying that that message and and building you know upon the foundation that that I set up and so I think that was kind of the transition as we got um to that you know 30 odd employee mark where it went from me being kind of the the solo evangelist to really focusing on kind of empowering the leaders around me to to also you know evangelize the, the kind of mission vision values of the organization that's huge i think it's so important that when you get to that point to understand it and put guidelines and and systems in place where people can follow it and they understand it. And that's my agency. That's a lot of what we do is we we help brands get to that stage of not everybody needs a brand guideline to start a business. But when you get to that point, when you're going to scale and the founder isn't involved in the day-to-day and doesn't get those touch points and with customer service and how you would handle it and outreach and everything else, it's so important to have that that brand guide that just kind of takes the rest of the company and says, this is what we're about. This is who we are. Yeah. The way, the way that I think about the values of the, the organization is that they're a lens through which you can make decisions. Because I think that the way that I feel is like for the organization to scale, you have to empower people throughout the organizations to, to make decisions that the way that, you know, I would think through that decision-making yeah. process. And so if you can help them understand, like, here's what these values you know, mean to me, use, use this as a lens to say, Hey, a- am I being fair? Am I being transparent in this, you know, decision or the communication, uh, you know, around this, this key decision, you know, that, that I'm making. And so I think, I think it's been impactful, uh, for us and certainly something that I would encourage other, other founders to, to really focus on. Yeah, it's a good point. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we're coming to an end before we go. I want to know where can people find you? Uh, so I, I think at this point, probably pretty obvious that LinkedIn is, is definitely a, a good place you know, to follow me. So come, come follow me, Caleb Avery on, on LinkedIn, certainly follow Till, uh, the, the company on, on LinkedIn as well. I I've got a minor, minor presence on, on Twitter. Uh, Tilt has a, an, an Instagram. I think my mom's probably our, our, our best follower, uh, on, on there. Uh, certainly the, the Tilt website. So T I L L E D.com is a great place to, to go, you know, read, read the blog and get more uh, you know, up to, to speed. And so if there are, you know, software companies out there wanting to, to learn more about, monetizing their payments, you know, please, please reach out and we'd love to help you guys. Awesome. Caleb, I have one more question for you. If there's one thing you want to make sure entrepreneurs that are listening today leave with, what would it be? Yeah. Well, one, one thing would be don't sleep on the power of your, your personal brand. I think for, for a lot of entrepreneurs, they're, they're hesitant to, to put themselves out there. Uh, but it really can be an incredibly powerful tool for, for both you kind of in your, your future, uh, you know, business endeavors, but also for whatever the current company is, uh, that you're building. It really is an incredibly powerful tool, uh, that, that you have at your disposal. You just have to take the, the leap and, and dive in. Would you recommend 
LinkedIn for everybody? Or would you say really try to figure out what, who your audience is and then choose that platform? Absolutely depends on where your audience is, is spending their time. I think for us, it was very clear that LinkedIn, you know, was the, the place for that. But depending on what business you're building, it could be, it could be TikTok, Instagram, you yeah. know, Twitter. Uh, and so, you know, definitely do some research, figure out where your customers uh, are hanging out and then, and then go all in on, on whatever that platform is. Awesome. Well, Caleb, it's been fun. I appreciate you hanging out with us today. It's been great. Awesome. Really appreciate the opportunity to tell my story. Thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely. Well, Remote Star Nation, I hope you learned as much as I did from Caleb, and I hope you could put some of what you learned into work for you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you all for joining us on this journey as we help you to start a business, grow your brand, and create your desired lifestyle. Remember to leave a comment, subscribe, and share this episode with your community who you think can learn from what you heard. Until next time, go start something, start it today, and go build a lifestyle you desire. We've come to the end of another episode. I want to thank you for allowing me to share my passion of bringing people together through business and branding in hopes to connect you with your community. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Woodward Movement, the leader in brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. Check out our remotestartpodcast.com for more episodes and our social channels to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you build a strong community for your business. I'm Jim Doyon. Thank you for connecting.